I'm Dr. Walter Malone Jr., founder of WM Ministries. I want to thank you for joining me for this segment of Tailored to Win, that I might share with you some insights that can inspire, inform, and empower your life. Canaan Christian Church, a simple church with a kingdom focus. With our pastor, Dr. Walter Malone Jr., we dare to dream, connecting one with God and one with one another. We teach the Word of God through Connection Group and Wednesday Bible Studies. The Word of God is declared and celebrated each Sunday morning. Through prayer, we build our relationship with God and one another. We proclaim the Word of God locally and globally. The Canaan Christian Church is a great church because we glorify God and seek to spiritually edify the people of God. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for the Word of God. The Lord. I greet you with the joy of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Why don't you put those hands together and let's give God some praise. Thank him for the gift of life and for the blessing and the privilege that is ours to be here for this time of study and for this time of worship, amen. Would you join with me now for our invocational prayer? Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for this day, for the gift of life and for all of your wonderful blessings toward us. What a privilege, what an honor it is for us to be able to gather together as the people of God for this time of worship and study. We pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe upon us afresh now, prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirit to receive the truth and the revelation that you're about to deposit into our lives. And so, God, I pray now that every saved person will be strengthened in their walk with you. And I pray, God, for every person who may not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today would be the first day of a new saving relationship that they would have with God in Christ. And so, Lord, now I pray that you will let fresh anointing remain upon our lives. And then, God, I ask as always that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise again. 
Certainly, I want to thank God for all the people who are sharing with us this morning through our virtual and online worship experience to the wonderful people who are part of the Canaan Christian Church who live in Louisville and the surrounding area. Thank you for joining with us today for this time of worship and study. And uh, so we thank God for all of the people who are part of the Canaan Church and who are part of our virtual church. Then I want to thank God for all of our virtual uh, members and covenant partners who live in the various cities all across the United States of America. Thank you for joining with us today for this time of study. You are part of the Canaan Connection and you are making our church a continuous growing and strong congregation. We thank God for you to uh, Margaret Corosi and Pastor Peter and the wonderful people in Kenya in East Africa. Thank you for joining with us today for this time of worship and study. And then to all of the awesome men and women who are joining with us in various cities across the United States of America and other countries around the world. Thank you for joining with us today, and I pray God's blessings upon you. I pray that you will be strengthened up through this study today, and certainly if you don't have Christ in your life, I pray that today you would let Jesus be the Lord of your life, and Canaan would be your church home. Amen. God be praised. Amen. Those of us in the sanctuary, let's give God some praise for the people who are joining us virtually right now. Amen. Again, I greet you with the joy of the Lord. So glad to see everyone who is with us this morning for this time of worship and study. Thank God for every person who is joining with us today through our virtual and online worship experience. I pray God's blessings upon you again in a very special way. I want to continue to encourage all of us to seek to bring one person to Christ and into the Canaan church this year. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So I encourage you to share God's word with people every day that you have a chance to make a spiritual deposit in their life and then invite them to come share with you in this study on Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock uh, because again, as people give their life to Christ and join the church on Sunday, people can give their life to Christ and join the church on a Wednesday morning. Amen. Can you celebrate the person whom God's going to allow you to touch their life? Amen. Now, I am doing a teaching currently under the theme, Kingdom Disciples, Kingdom Disciples. And um, we have looked on last Wednesday at that most familiar passage of scripture in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, where Jesus says, if any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, today I'm going to follow up on that with bringing to our attention another characteristic or mark of those who are disciples of Christ. And I'm gonna be teaching today on this idea that those who are uh, disciples of Christ, that they have an allegiance to the compelling leadership of Jesus. That if I am a disciple, I have an allegiance 
to the compelling leadership of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, um, and so it's going to tie in with that statement that Jesus makes uh, in uh, Matthew's gospel, if any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, but I want you to look, as we uh, look at this today, I want to talk about those persons who cannot follow Christ and then those people who can follow Christ. Amen. Uh, Sister Malone, my beautiful wife, if you would uh, be so kind as to get the count of the people who are with us in the sanctuary for me today. Uh, in Luke's gospel, in Luke's gospel chapter 9, uh, let's begin reading with verse 57. In Luke's gospel chapter 9, verse 57. The word of God reads like this. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I'm teaching about kingdom disciples. And I'm keeping before us that the primary mission of the church, our focus, our calling as the people of God is to bring every person we can to Christ and then to help them to become a disciple of Christ. Do you understand who you are as a Christian? Do you understand who we are collectively as the people of God as a church? Because I have reason to believe that the weakness of the church in many regards is that people have a misconception of who they are individually as Christians and they have a misconception of who the church is and what our purpose is in the world. I think too often people join church like joining uh, an organization, like you join the YMCA or you join some other social group uh, in the city or in the world in which we live. And so we just see ourselves as being a part of another organization. But church is not simply an organization. Church is the body of Christ. Church, within its best sense, in its truest authenticity, has to do with people who are in a covenant relationship with God and a covenant relationship with one another to carry out the purposes of God in the world. Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
which means then the church is more than an organization. The church is a spiritual organism. We are the body of Christ. We are God's witnesses in the world. We are God's ambassadors in the world. And the charge that Jesus has given to the church is that we are to go throughout the whole world and make disciples of every nation, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. It is inspiring. It is enlightening when one reads and studies the book of Acts and to see the movement of the early church. That 120 disciples gathered in the upper room waiting on the fulfillment and the promise of the Holy Spirit to come upon their life. And then after the day of Pentecost and Peter preaches one message and 3,000 people come to Christ. And then you keep reading the book of Acts and we see how the early church continued to expand and to grow. So much so that by the time they got to Thessalonica to say these who turned the world upside down have come hither also. Beloved of God, you and I are to be no different than that first church. You and I today should be a 21st century church with a first century mindset. We should be an Acts 2.42 church. But we can only be true to that type of calling upon our lives if we are aware and if we are cognizant spiritually of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So that when we say we are Christians, it's not enough just to carry the title, the name Christian. It's not just enough to attend church on Sunday morning. We must live the life. We must walk the walk. We must be true to the assignment that God has entrusted to us. So then when we go back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, and you hear Jesus say, if any man will be my disciple, let him first deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We must take Jesus serious. We must understand he was not just uttering words, but he was giving us God's standard, God's expectation for our lives. If indeed we are true followers and disciples of Christ. In Luke's gospel then, uh, Jesus lays out the cost of discipleship and in Luke's gospel chapter 9, beginning with verse 57, we read about three people who will not follow Jesus. Look at what we're told in the text. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and this person just says to Jesus, listen, Lord, um, wherever you go, I will follow you wherever you go. 
He was quick to make a statement. He was quick to, quick to suggest a commitment that he would have with Christ. But he was speaking about that which he did not know. He was talking about that which he did not understand. And the real question is, are you really prepared to do what you say you're going to do? So Jesus says, let me give you a reality call. Jesus says to this man, you say that you will follow me wherever I go. Jesus said, I tell you what, buddy. He said, I want you to know that this evening we're not going to be spending the night in the rich Carlton. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you sure you want to follow me? People who are presumptuous, people who are quick to talk and say things without first considering the cost, are people who will not follow Jesus. Salvation is free. But it'll cost you to follow Jesus because there are sacrifices that you'll have to endure. There are struggles you'll have to encounter. There are conflicts you've got to overcome. You're going to have to deal with spiritual warfare. And so if you follow him, are you really willing to pay the cost? Someone has said that the problem of the church today is that it is a crossless church. But a crossless church is a Christless church. This man was making statements that he really wasn't prepared to follow through with. But then let's keep looking at the text. In verse 59, then he said to another, this is Jesus speaking. He says to this second person, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God. When you read that on the surface, you would almost want to say, Lord Jesus, are you that insensitive? The man's father's died and you're talking about let the dead bury the dead. But you have to get behind this text and understand the context of that time in which Jesus was doing ministry. Because among the Jewish people, whenever someone died, that person was buried on that day. They didn't die and then hold the body for a week like we might do. No, when they died, they were buried on that day. Which means this person who says to Jesus, let me first go bury my father. The fact of the matter is that his father was not dead. Because if his father was dead, he wouldn't have been available to talk to Jesus. So this man perhaps had something else in mind. He was saying to Jesus, uh, uh, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. His father perhaps was not dead, but there were some things pertaining to his father's life that maybe he wanted to make sure was in place, something that perhaps he wanted to make sure the inheritance that would come to him, he would receive it. Whatever it was, he wanted to go deal with that as opposed to following Jesus. But Jesus is saying to this man, said, the proclamation of the gospel carries an urgency about it. You don't have always to get around to what God said do. I just said something. You don't have always to get around to what God said do. Grandmama said, when you know right, she says, do right. And my 
uh, aunt, uh, Clorita Buckner, said to me one time, she said, Walter, she says, live your life as though every day is your last day. We have to work while the sun is up because at some point the sun's going to set. The old folks used to say you ought to serve God while the blood is still running warm in your veins. And sometimes people live as though they have always and forever to decide when they're going to get serious about God. But there is an urgency, is there not, about obeying Jesus and about doing what the Lord has called you to do. You might look up one day if you don't do that and you'll be saying, when I could, I wouldn't. And now I want to, and I can't. But there's a third person in this pericope of Luke's gospel who will not follow Jesus. The first person who won't follow Jesus is the person who is presumptuous. They talk about that which they do not know. And they speak about what that which they're not willing to really make a serious commitment to. The second person who will not follow Jesus is the person who does not understand or recognize the urgency of the right now. But a third person, you look at verse 61, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Pastor, who is the third person who won't follow Jesus? The third person who won't follow Jesus is the person who doesn't understand the importance of priorities and who cannot maintain spiritual focus. If you're going to follow Jesus, You've got to have priorities, first things first, and you've got to be able to maintain some spiritual focus. You cannot follow Jesus and then be looking back and turning back. You cannot, uh, I didn't grow up in the country, Brother Hurt, but, uh, but they tell me you can't plow a straight row looking back. No, if you're going to plow a straight road, you got to be looking ahead where you're going. Jesus says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. When God has laid his hands upon your life, when God has saved you, when God has called you, when God has given you an assignment, you've got to have focus on what God has called you to do. And what God has called you to do has got to have priority over other things in your life. Family matters and nothing else will ever supersede God's call upon your life. Let me say it again, family matters and nothing else will ever supersede, take precedence over God's call in your life. Now, understand that we're saying today that there is a distinguishing mark. There's a characteristic that says to us, we are authentically disciples of Christ. Today would be the fifth mark that I'm giving you. Each week I've been sharing with you different marks, different characteristics that we say, if this shows up in my life, if this is a part of my life, 
it says to me that I have some sincerity and authenticity about my walk with Christ. When I finish this particular part of our series of this teaching, there you will have heard about seven different marks. This mark today is, if I am a disciple of Christ, I know I am because I have an allegiance to following the compelling leadership of Jesus. I know I'm a disciple because I have an allegiance to following the compelling leadership of Jesus. Sister Hurt, when we were growing up in church, you remember they used to say, uh, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him all the way. We used to sing that hymn in the life of the church. Yeah, that's what uh, we're called upon as disciples to do, and that is to follow the compelling leadership of Jesus. So now, if the people we just looked at in Luke's Gospel chapter 9 are three people who will not follow Jesus, then who are the people who will follow Jesus? I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and let's, let's start reading with verse 18. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Please pay close attention to verse 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. What did they do? They what? immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus calls Simon and, and Peter, Peter rather, and Andrew to follow him and immediately they stopped what they were doing and followed him. Jesus calls James and John in the boat with their father, mending nets. When Jesus called them, they left their nets, they left their father, and immediately they followed Jesus. They didn't put off following him. They didn't say to Jesus, let us pray about it for five days, for two weeks. He called and they followed him right then and there, if you go over to chapter 9 in Matthew's gospel, we're given this insight about Matthew himself. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. 
So he arose and followed Jesus. Matthew just got up, left the tax table, left all the money there and everything, and followed Jesus. So who is the person who will follow Jesus? The person who will follow Jesus is the person who takes Jesus at his word, and that person decides, right now, I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not going to wait on it. I ain't going to drag about it. Jesus says, follow me, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it immediately because I understand that my obedience will have something to do with my blessing. But there's another person who will follow Jesus. I want you to look uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. And when you have time, read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through verse 11. Verse 1 through verse 11. Jesus is going to be speaking to the multitude. He stood by the lake of Genesaret, we're told. There are two boats standing by the lake. Jesus gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And then when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon, you know, he had a fishing background. He and Andrew and James and John, and you can hear Peter saying to Jesus, now Lord, this fishing business, we know about that. You know, we fished all night and we haven't caught anything. Jesus says, I understand, but I need you to launch out into the deep. And when they launched out into the deep, Peter says to Jesus, we haven't caught anything, but you say launch out into the deep. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. And he gets out into the deep water. And then there they start catching so many fish that they filled up two boats and the boat's about to sink. Years ago, I preached a sermon, Sandra, entitled uh, Launch Out Into the Deep. You can't be blessed like God wants to bless you if you stay in shallow water. I'm going to have to do that one again. It's been years since I preached that word. I'm going to have to redo it. And so now that they've caught all these fish, now uh, when you get down to about verse 9, Jesus, listen to this conversation. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You've been catching fish, but you're getting ready to catch men. Verse 11 says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Did y'all hear that? When they had brought their boats to the land, what did they do? They forsook all and followed him. Understand that Peter and Andrew, James and John, that their, their background, their career, their livelihood had been that of being fishermen. They done fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. 
Peter says, well, we've been here all night, Jesus, but ain't caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And when they follow his instructions in obedience, they took in so much fish, took in so many fish that they filled up two boats. And the boat's about to sink because of how many fish they had caught. But when they came to land, and Jesus says, you've been catching fish, but when you follow me, you're going to start catching men. The text says, they forsook all and followed him. We've been in the fishing business. We got two boats full of fish. We ain't never caught this many fish. But in spite of what we have now, we're going to leave everything we got. And Jesus, we're going to follow you. Who is, the, who is the next person who will follow Jesus? The next person who will follow Jesus is the person who's willing to forsake everything to be with Jesus. What is it that you and I are willing to give up to follow Jesus? What do you have that you wouldn't let go of? And everything that we have, God gave it to us in the first place. We're no different than Peter and Andrew, James, and John. We, we haven't had a good day because we were so smart or because we were so gifted. We are blessed because of what God has brought into our lives. And is there anything that he brought to you that you couldn't give up to follow him? People who follow Jesus are willing to forsake all to be with him. But there's another group of people who will follow Jesus. I want you to look with me uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. When you get a chance again, read John chapter 8, verses 1 uh, through verse 12. I'm just going to read verse 12, but I'll give you the background. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives on this occasion, and then in the morning, he came into the temple. When he came into the people, into the temple to sit down to teach, the religious folk, the scribes and Pharisees, brought to Jesus a woman caught in idolatry. They set her down in the midst, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. They said to him, Moses in the law commands that she should be stoned to death. So what do you say? And they said this for the purpose of testing Jesus, that they might have something that where they could accuse him of. But rather than responding to their test, Jesus stooped down, started writing on the ground with his finger. And then uh, when they continued to ask him questions and so forth, he raised up, this is Jesus, and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. 
He got back down on his knees and started writing on the ground. And the Bible says that those who were standing by, the religious folk, they got convicted by their conscience. And they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. When Jesus gets back up this second time, he looks at this woman and says to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She says, No one, Lord. Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know what I like about Jesus? He'll meet you where you are, but he won't leave you where he found you. That was the background. That was the context. And having dealt with this uh, religious group who wanted to bring this woman before him, who they said was caught in the very act of sin, it is in that context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So who is the other person who, then who will follow Jesus? The other person who will follow Jesus is the one who's willing to walk in the light. John in his epistle says, God is light and in him there is no darkness. And if we walk in darkness and say we have fellowship with God, he says we are a lie and the truth is not in us. So one person who will follow Jesus is a person who will follow him what? Immediately. A second person who will follow Jesus is a person who will what? Forsake everything they have to be with Jesus. A third person who will follow Jesus is the person who desires, the person who is willing to walk in the light of Christ. But then there's another person who will follow Jesus. I want you to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And when you get a chance, read verses 17 through verse 31. Read verse 17 through verse 31. This is the story you're familiar with. It is the story of the rich young ruler. You remember this rich young ruler, he came to Jesus wanting to know what must he do, what could he do to have eternal life. Jesus says to him, well, you know the law, and Jesus repeats to him certain aspects of the law that he should be willing to keep. And the rich young ruler says to Jesus, I've kept all these things from my youth up. What else must I do? Jesus, knowing that he was rich, says to him, I'll tell you what you do. He says, you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you shall have eternal life. But the Bible says that the rich young ruler wasn't willing to give up what he had. He dropped his head in sorrow and walked away. He came to the right person. Talking about the rich young ruler. He came to the right person asked the right question, but made the wrong choice. And, 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 and Jesus talks about how hard it is for a rich person to make it into heaven. And, and, and the disciples are saying, well, then Jesus, who can be saved? He says, well, with men it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. But then uh, when, you, when you get to verse 28 
Listen to what Peter says. Then Peter began to say to him, he's talking to Jesus, see, we have left all and followed you. Look at somebody say, my name is Peter. Don't that sound just like you and I? See, see the rich young ruler, <laughs> Jesus said to him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. You'll have, you can have eternal life. But he wasn't willing to give up what he had. He walks away sorrowfully. When he walks away from Jesus, Peter looks to Jesus and say, Lord, we have left all to follow you. In other words, what's in it for us? And Jesus says to Peter, the disciples, and he says to you and I today in verse 29, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Jesus, what's in it for me? Jesus said, listen, if you give up everything to follow me, you will gain in this world, and you'll also gain in the world to come. Who is the person, pastor, that will follow Jesus? The person that will follow Jesus is the person who will leave to God what the rewards are. The person who follows Jesus is the person who will follow him with some immediacy. The person who follows Jesus is the person who's willing to forsake everything they have to be with Jesus. The person who follows Jesus is the person who will walk in the light of Christ. And the person who follows Jesus is the person who will not be trying to determine for themselves what rewards they should receive. But they'll let whatever rewards they experience in life or receive in life, they'll let God be the determiner of what that will be and when it will be. Somebody knows serving the Lord to pay off after a while. Amen. And somebody knows God has so many ways to bless you. Don't you ever limit your blessings to money. <laughs> Amen. If you in your right mind this morning, you ought to tell the Lord thank you. But can I show you one more? Let me show you one more. That was five. Let me show you the fifth person. There, there are five different kinds of people who will follow Jesus. Yeah, there are five. And again, when you get chance, if you turn to John's Gospel, chapter 21, chapter 21, and if you will uh, start reading with verse 15 when you have time and read it uh, from verse 15 all the way to verse 25, verse 15 through 25. 
but I'm just going to read um, a couple of verses. Starting with verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that is John, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, that is seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is it, what is that to you? Follow me. Let me give you the context. This is the resurrected Christ. Jesus has been crucified at Calvary. He has been resurrected from the grave. He has now shown himself to be alive on at least three occasions with these disciples. This is at least, at least the third time that Jesus has shown himself to be alive. And he has this conversation with Peter and he asked Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord. Jesus asked Peter that question three times. And then Jesus says to Peter uh, in verse 18, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, that is Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Now again, going back to Matthew 16, 24, what does Jesus say? If any man would be my disciple, let him first, what? Deny himself, take up his cross and do what? Follow me. This is the resurrected Christ. Jesus has been crucified, resurrected from the grave, and he says to Peter, follow me. But before he said to Peter, on this occasion, follow me, Jesus is giving Peter a preview of coming attractions. He's letting Peter know, you're going to die a martyr's death. History says that when Peter was killed because of his commitment to Christ, that he was crucified on a cross, like Jesus. But Peter said to those who would take his life, I'm not worthy to die like my master. And so they crucified him upside down. Jesus says to Peter, you're going to die for my cause, but follow me. Then Peter sees John the writer of this gospel. John, this is the beloved disciple. Peter sees John coming up and he hears uh, Jesus indicating that John is not gonna have the same experience as Peter, who will be a martyr, but not in the same manner. And so Peter wants to know from Jesus, well, what about John? Sandra, listen, baby, to what Jesus said to Peter. 
in verse 20. If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Keon, can I put this in the Malone translation? Jesus said to Peter, mind your business. <laughs> What's going to happen to John ain't none of your concern. That ain't your business. Follow me. So who's the fifth person that will follow Jesus? The fifth person that will follow Jesus as a disciple is the person who knows how to mind their own business. <laughs> the fifth person who will follow Jesus is the person who will stay out of your house and take care of their own house. The Bible talks about busybodies, don't it? You know, people are always trying to be in your affairs. You know, they, they, you know, it takes you all your time to keep yourself straight. Let's rest trying to keep somebody else straight. You know, and how God deals with that person, how he deals with you, it may not be the same way. What God purposes for them, what he purposes for you, what they got to go through may not be what you have to go through. That's why you ought not ever be jealous of what somebody else has because you don't know the price they've had to pay to be where they are. Amen. Be careful what you want. Be careful what you ask for. Jesus said to Peter, it's none of your business. I'm going to have to preach that one day. I got to get up on a Sunday morning and say, I want to talk to you about it's none of your business. Yeah. That's a good disciple. Amen. Who can, who can not look in your yard, just look in their own backyard. So there are those who will not follow Jesus, and then there are those who will follow Jesus. And again, one of the distinguishing characteristics of the person who will be an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ is the characteristic that they have an allegiance to following the compelling leadership of Jesus Christ. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him all the way. Thank you for sharing with us today for this segment of Tailored to Win. I pray that this word has brought encouragement and empowerment to equip you to live a faithful and fruitful life to the glory of Jesus Christ.